From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Welcome you to this broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is bringing a series of studies in the earthly life of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that will give us insights into the various aspects of our Lord's temporal ministry, from His teaching and miracles to His atoning death on the cross and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is called Trust and Do, Do and Trust. The text is found in Psalm 37 and verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Trust and do are words which go well together in the order in which the Holy Spirit has placed them. We should have faith, and that faith should work. Trust in God sets us upon holy doing. We trust God for good, and then we do good. We do not sit still because we trust, but we arouse ourselves and expect the Lord to work through us and by us. It is not ours to worry and do evil, but to trust and do good. We neither trust without doing, nor do without trusting. Adversaries would root us out if they could, but by trusting and doing we dwell in the land. We will not go into Egypt, but we will remain in Emmanuel's land. The providence of God the Canaan of covenant love. We are not so easily to be got rid of as the Lord's enemies suppose. They cannot thrust us out nor stamp us out. Where God has given us a name and a place, there we abide. But what about the supply of our necessities? The Lord has put a verily into this promise. As sure as God is true, His people shall be fed. It is theirs to trust and to do, and it is the Lord's to do according to their trust. If not fed by ravens, or fed by an Obadiah, or fed by a widow, yet they shall be fed somehow. Away, ye fears!
assist you in meditating upon the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world, Let the Bible Speak is happy to offer a unique publication called The Twelve Days of Christmas. Written by Roger Ellsworth, an experienced minister and writer, The Twelve Days of Christmas is a small paperback book containing 24 devotions, each including a short scripture reading, several paragraphs, and a concluding to-think-about section that draws lines of application from the text to modern-day life. The book is intended to help the hearts and minds of believers to focus upon the wonder of the Incarnation, as well as to encourage unbelievers to come in repentance and faith to Christ. Let the Bible Speak is happy to make this booklet available free of charge to our listening audience. You may have a copy simply by contacting us by phone, email, or regular mail. You may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or you may simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. We encourage you to request your free copy of The Twelve Days of Christmas.
Today on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues a message entitled, The Many Faces of Saving Grace. The text is found in several portions of Luke chapter 7, which recount three episodes in the Savior's ministry. The raising of the son of the widow of Nain, the anointing of Christ by the woman named only as a sinner, then the service rendered to Christ by a group of women, which included Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. In the case of these women, we see that their service to Christ was motivated by love for him. As Dr. Cairns will emphasize, service without love is of no spiritual value, but loving service is the product of pardon for sin. Now here is Dr. Cairns to bring the next portion of this message, The Many Faces of Saving Grace. It's a beautiful thing when you look at the life of Christ. Whether it was a Pharisee or a publican, whether it was Simon or Matthew, when they invited the Savior, He came. That's still the same today. What's missing in our homes is Christ. And He's willing to come to the heart and the home where He's invited. He came to the home of Simon. Now, Simon showed no great grace or kindness to him. He failed to observe even the common courtesies of an eastern host. It's obvious to me that he had benefited benefited little from seeing and hearing Christ, even though Christ had done a great miracle. It had not benefited this man too much. When you look at how he thought of Christ, it was in a very despising and disparaging manner. Despite everything that Simon had seen and heard, he rejected Christ even as a prophet. This man, modern parlance, we would, the tone here sounds like this fellow, if he were a prophet. Obviously, he didn't believe that he was a prophet. And it's obvious that he didn't believe that he had the right or the power to forgive sins. So clearly, Simon lacked both faith and love. Now then, contrast the woman, and it's a striking contrast. Could hardly be more striking. Here was a woman, she was not a Pharisee or a female version of a Pharisee. She was a sinner. A woman of the city who was a sinner. I think that's saying more than that she lived in the city. I think think it's saying in a euphemistic sort of way that this was a woman of the street. This was a woman who was known as an obvious breaker of the seventh commandment. She was a moral leper. But she had seen Christ, and she had heard Christ, She had witnessed his power, his compassion, his love, his grace in dealing with the widow and dealing with her son. And she believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. The result is that before she even entered the house of Simon, her sins were forgiven. I can say that for two reasons. Number one, the the, uh, parable that the Lord Jesus told would be meaningless. Otherwise, when she poured out this love, it was the evidence of sin already forgiven. 
And in verse 48, the Lord Jesus says, Thy sins have been forgiven. The word are is a perfect tense. Thy sins have been forgiven. That's something that has happened in the past, and its benefit and blessing is continuing right into the present. So she believed, and she was forgiven. And because she was forgiven, she loved much. I want you to watch this very carefully. I haven't time to work this out in detail. But love is the source of service. If you don't serve Christ out of love, you don't serve him at all. What is done if it's not out of love? Look at 1 Corinthians 13. Is entirely without spiritual value. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, though I give my body to be burned, those are mighty big actions. Willing to die for Christ, willing to suffer the burning of a martyrdom, But without love, it's useless. It only adds to the burden of our sin. Love is the source of service. But a sense of pardon is the wellspring of love. What produces love? is a knowledge of Christ's love for us. It's a knowledge of the greatness of his grace and pardon. It's sitting down, as this woman must have done, to realize what God hath wrought for me. And the more you are overcome with a sense of the greatness and the glory of his pardon, the more you will love. So the source of service is love. The wellspring of love is a sense of pardon. But that sense of pardon comes from a clear view of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a pardon it is. Notice the words of Christ. In the parable he says, and he's obviously appropriating this to himself, he frankly or for freely forgave them both. He freely forgave Verse 48, thy sins have been forgiven. Verse 50, thy faith hath saved thee. And now again in verse 50, therefore go in peace. At rest in your conscience in the assurance of a reconciliation with God that nothing can undo. I tell you, Christ removed her guilt. And that's saving grace. Saving grace not only relieves you from the grief of sin, it removes from you the guilt of sin. In chapter 8, verse 2, when you look at Mary Magdalene and Christ's dealings with her, you'll see that in grace he released her from the grasp of Satan. Out of her went seven demons. Now, 
There's no evidence at all, I have to state this right up, there's no evidence at all that Mary Magdalene was this woman of the city. In fact, there's a whole lot of evidence against it, yet some ancient commentators tried to make them one and the same person. Secondly, there's no evidence that Mary Magdalene is ever an immoral woman. There's not the slightest statement about that, yet uh, I think it was one of the popes, was it Pope Gregory, if my memory's right, who first came up with the notion that Mary Magdalene had been uh, uh, sort of a streetwalker, an unclean woman, and uh, throughout church history afterwards, uh, people like that were called Magdalenes, and uh, very often places for dealing with the women of the streets in the Victorian England, etc., would have had the name of Magdalene. I'm very happy with all the efforts that were put in to reach fallen women, but I'm sort of grieved for Mary Magdalene, because it's totally without foundation. What we can say is that she had fallen under very serious satanic control. How it happened, we're not told, and perhaps there are very good reasons for that. You know, there's always this unhealthy, the smallest, the easiest way I can describe it, there's an unhealthy fascination with the occult, even among Christians. When I went to Germany preaching there, I was scandalized to find among Christians the amount of interest in the occult, and so much interest indeed that it appeared to me that people were falling more and more uh, under the fear of the occult. So it may be very good reason why we're not told how she came under this satanic control. At any rate, her case appeared hopeless, and it was hopeless. There's nobody could do anything for Mary Magdalene. A less likely candidate for sainthood would have been very difficult to imagine. Then Jesus came. And that's always what makes the difference. Great old hymn. Used to hear it all the time when solo singers sang. Now they're that busy singing rubbish. They can't sing decent hymns. One sat alone beside the highway begging. His eyes were blind, the light he could not see. He clutched his rags and shivered in the shadows. Then Jesus came and bade his darkness flee. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, that's it. That's what happened to Mary Magdalene. A hopeless, helpless, wretched, demon-possessed woman. And Jesus came and set her free. Reminds me of what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 146, verse 7. The Lord looseth the prisoners. Thank God he's still in that job. He's still loosing the prisoners. I don't often get to hear it. But when I came to America at first, I used to hear it a lot more often. It was always a great encouragement to me to hear the radio program over WMUU of the Chicago uh, Pacific Garden Mission. And the program was called Unshackled. Many of you have heard it. Again and again, the most hopeless, the most helpless the most gripped by the devil, then Jesus came and set them free. 
Thank God he's still in the business of breaking the devil's grip on the lives of men and women. John 8:36 gives us his own glorious promise, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so completely did Christ change Mary Magdalene's heart that from being a slave of Satan, she became a devoted servant of Christ. You know, that's the story in every Christian's life. That's what grace does. You may not have been demon-possessed, but I want to tell you, you were certainly demon-oppressed. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that the energy of Satan is what drives the ungodly. I understand that. I don't want to get off on a tangent this morning, but that would give you a whole world of affairs if only you would stop to think of it. It's the energy of Satan that drives the ungodly. But what happens when you're saved? As Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 6, verse 17, God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. No longer a slave of the devil, now a slave of Jesus Christ, and therefore a slave of righteousness. The Church of England prayer book has a prayer in it that I think we would do well never to forget at least the, the little part of it that I'll quote, speaking to the Lord and saying, Thy service is the most perfect freedom. Thy service is the most perfect freedom. That's what Mary Magdalene found when Jesus, in grace, released her from the grasp of Satan. And then finally, in verse 3 of chapter 8, we see Christ with Joanna, Susanna, and the others. And in grace, he received their gifts. Joanna was the wife of Herod's steward. And Susanna, with others, ministered to Christ of their substance. Now, we know very little about these women Two things that do stand out about them. Number one, they were rich. That was most unusual for Christ's disciples. They were well off. The other thing is they were very needy because here they are mentioned among those out of whom were cast evil spirits or infirmities, people whom Jesus healed in some extraordinary way. Rich in this world's goods, and yet spiritually in terrible need. But God saved them. It's interesting to think of Joanna. Joanna was the wife of Herod's steward. Now, there's a little dispute as to what that might be. Whatever it was, it was a certainly a very eminent position in the household of Herod. He might have been the head of the whole household. He might have been his treasurer, or he might have been a tutor. We're not quite sure. But John the Baptist was in Herod's prison, and from time to time was brought before Herod. And you can only wonder, was Joanna first 
touched with the gospel by the witness of the Baptist? I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me. For God so often turns the wrath of man to praise him. I find later that there were saints even in Caesar's. That was Nero's palace. The Lord can have his people anywhere. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 